everyone. Welcome back to Make Do. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Arman. And we have a special guest today, Merlin Mann. Hi. We do. Hey, good morning. How are you? We are good. It is evening here, midday for Tiff, because time is relative <sighs> and aloof. You're, so, and you're so nice to have me on. I went into the Relay channel and I said, hey, hey, my usual Tuesday morning date canceled on me. <laughs> Can somebody please record me? I'm like a cow that needs to be milked. Please, someone talk to me. <laughs> please, please. I beg. And I we beg. answered that call. <laughs> you answered the call. We actually uh, fought over you in the chat, so no, I mean, no, no. we won. <laughs> no, you're the we only totally ones. Won. You're the only ones who said anything. You're the only ones. You're like, okay, fine. You can crash here for on the couch for one morning, but that's it. Then you've got to go. <laughs> and don't We'd steal love my to food. Have you on our couch? Don't drink my diet cokes. Just be careful. Our couch is stained with tears. <laughs> Oh my God, that should be the goal. Can I make Merlin cry? Oh, you can so make me cry. I'm very, I'm very cryable. Yeah, you just put on a Doctor Who and I'll start, I'll start bawling like a little kid. <laughs> so uh, for people who might not know who you are, uh, you're a writer and podcaster. You make Reconcilable Differences with John Syracuse on Relay FM, our network. And you also make Dubai Friday with Alex Cox and Max Temkin from Cards Against Humanity. Uh, so I called you now a writer and a podcaster. Uh, would you agree? Are those labels that you <laughs> feel good about? Yeah, yeah, those are pretty good. I mean, I think I'm kind of a retired everything except podcaster at this point. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so it's so weird what kinds of uh, titles. I was listening to your last episode about this very thing, like what it is that you call, like who you are and what you do. But yeah, yeah. Mostly these days, that's that's what I do is podcasting. But like, yeah, I used to be an aspiring writer. Yeah. <laughs> Because I feel sometimes that writer is kind of a weird term because it's not, it's not, you know, it's not like a protected term. It's not like a, I don't know what you call it, like a professional profession. Oh God, I got, I got 30, I got 35 minutes on this. It's, it's so interesting (laughs) because there there was a time um, when I was, okay, so this is not an advertisement, but like I, I used to do a website that like a number of people liked and, uh, and it would be interesting what I was allowed to call myself having done what I was doing. And so there were a lot of people who were okay to say, okay, well, you're a blogger, which really, <clears throat> I think at the uh, for a long time was, it might have been a cool kid thing for a while amongst the other cool kids, but like it was really kind of a term of disparagement because like so many of these titles that we're expected to claim and defend for ourselves, you're, you're expected to sort of, you know, interrogate the status of what it is that you're claiming. Do you know what I'm saying? So like, oh, you, you're allowed to mm-hmm. say you're a blogger. But what's what's kind of interesting to me is uh, without, mm, there have been times where I was like interviewed or did some kind of media appearance and a couple interesting things about that. Um, w- w- <laughs> the one that was really interesting to me is how often back in the day they, they might mention but not link to the thing that you're known for they would rarely give you a link to your thing that you did for a living because it was online. Well, I did a thing on a well-known radio network once and they're like, no, we're we're not going to mention the, or like link to that thing. That's like, that's a website. Like that's not a thing. That's not, it's not a newspaper. And, and, um, but the other thing that I ran into on more than one occasion was a lot of places, this might be style guide, or they sure, certainly have their reasons, good or otherwise, but a lot of places would not allow you to call yourself a writer. Because what does that mean, right? I mean, obviously, you could say you're a blogger. You might as well say you're a peasant beggar, like when you say you're a blogger. But you're not an author. You're not a journalist. Like, what, is that? what does that mean? Anybody can be a writer, right? Anybody, anyone can cook. 
I, th- I think it's interesting that like um, whenever you try and make or do a thing, uh, you you do eventually have to put a frame around it in one way or another. Like you know, even if it's just for yourself. Like, why am I spending my time on this? But like, once it does get out into the world, however you find yourself trying to choose the right frame, the right title, well, not frame literally, but context. Like, is this a doodle? Is this a drawing? Like, I, would I be pretentious enough to call this, you know, art, as, as you folks have talked about? Like, you know, <laughs> you, you, you end up having to try and find the thing that makes you not feel like a jerk with describing what you're doing. You don't want to be, like, punching above your weight by calling yourself something that you're not because now – the vulnerability that you've shown to other people with what you're making, suddenly you're getting your butt kicked for not being the right kind of title. And like almost all of those things like have such a, such a valence of status to them or um, possibly privilege, but definitely status. Like if somebody's a, if somebody's got a PhD, you sure better call them, call, call them doctor or they're just, they're going to get real mad about it. You better not call yourself. Well, and if you're a PhD meet with an MD, like, do you feel like you're lower on the, on the, the ladder? And I think all that really figures into, especially when you're getting started, um, you can get real wrapped up in thinking about what it is that you're making, who it's for and what you're allowed to call yourself as a result. And I think that's very discouraging to a lot of people. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, that, that, I find that very interesting. Uh, you, you don't want to, you don't want to beat yourself up too much, but you sure do want to make sure you don't look like you're trying to be fancy. Yeah. And, and writer for me is such a weird term because like when you say it, cause I, you know, when I, if I give like a brief bio somewhere, you know, I'm a writer, journalist, podcaster, potter, but writer, if I say, if I add journalist, people are like, okay, I get it. But writer, it is such an open label so you don't know if someone means like oh i have like 10 15 uh, percent done manuscripts on my computer uh or someone who writes lots of interviews or, or columns or whatever like you don't know and and it's hard like because part of me thinks that it like personally feels like i kind of want to clarify like no i get i have published books at actual publishing houses i get paid to write things and then part of me at the same time especially in the context of this podcast i feel like you know, you're a writer if you write. You're an artist if you make art. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a very sort of, I'm a, a very much of, of two minds. Do, of you, do you feel like you feel like you're playing into that system? That's not not so great. If you if you, I mean, because you nailed it with the one thing, which is like you're you're not you're not a even a writer unless I can hold something in my hands that didn't come out of a computer printer, right? So you need to be published. And and I I've played into this. I've I've gotten on a number of occasions in the past. I've gotten offers from like major magazines that I have subscribed to, and I eventually got to the point where I had to say to them, "Is this for the website or is this for the magazine?" And ninety percent of the time, it's for the website. And even I, who had made my bones with websites, was like, "Yeah, I'll write for the Atlantic, but I'm not going to write for the Atlantic website." You know what I mean? Like I, I, I played into that myself. There's a really great um, comedy show or a great uh, there's a great TV show called The Bull Type uh, where they write for it, it centers on a woman's magazine. And uh, in the last couple of seasons, it's gotten a lot of discussion about the dot com. Like cause it is the website and it's like, is it separate from the magazine? Is it not? And at one point it's like, well, I don't want to write for the dot com. I want to write for the the magazine. Like, like they're separate. It's not just that you publish things both places and people get frustrated because it does it, it feels less real and it's this weird thing of like so if if one of my books sells x 
thousand number of copies and, you know, number of people read it at the library or whatever. And somehow that feels like more real and more special and more statusy than if 10,000 people read the same thing on my blog. Hundred, 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 hundred percent. When I was thinking about what eventually became my largest and most shameful uncompleted project, which was writing a book for a publisher, uh, when I was thinking about whether to do it, um, uh, no need to name drop, but I, I, I talked to a friend of mine who's kind of famous and I said, should I do this? And that person said, uh, you should do this because for, for, for one reason, which is that it will give people a reason to interview you. So if you've ever wanted to be on Fresh Air, you need to publish a book. And I was like, hmm, that's that's actually a, a really interesting way to do it. This is a, a man I learned a lot from who said, like, you have to think, think about your career as a platform. And of course, again, I just want to, it's my greatest shame. Uh, well, I hope so. I'll probably have more shames, but that one, that one will do for now. But but he basically said you have to think of what you do as a platform, and and uh, which sounds pretentious, but I think it's kind of true. You do need to think about like you know it's almost like Steve Jobs with like is this a feature or is this a product? And when you think about what you're doing, what one is doing, you have to think about you do have to think about stuff like like media and think about what you guys are doing. Like you're you're, you're making and doing stuff, but you're also doing this show about making and doing stuff. Mike Mike Hurley's made an entire super career out of this. Like he, I mean, it's sometimes it's 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 almost funny, but he's made this wonderful career for himself. He and Steven to an extent, but especially Mike. I mean, Mike is in a position that I was in ten or fifteen years ago, where like because you're producing media about a certain topic, a lot of what you do is how you get better at producing media about that topic, and 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 the good ones can do that really well. But and also from a financial standpoint, also writing a book means that you will a be invited to and b be able to charge more for oh, giving talks God. on that subject yes, or writing so because again true. like it's more real like you you could have written again like super appreciated blog posts and stuff about these things for years but if you have a physical book even if it doesn't sell amazingly suddenly you will be not just like you can go on fresh air now, now you're an author now you get to say you're an and, author and and so you can do all that stuff and i mean in, in in sweden and i think it's the same in most parts of the world like we joke that you write a book to be able to do the library tours because that's what you get paid for <laughs> uh like you do you you visit libraries you visit bookstores you visit different kinds of organizations and sometimes companies depending on what your book is about uh and stuff and in in sweden we have a writers union and you can join that when you've published two books. Uh, there are some exceptions depending on like your other body of work. But I love that because some people think that you're not allowed to call yourself a writer in the author sense. And in Sweden, it's two different words un- unless you've published two books. Uh, and there's also this this concept in, in Sweden, which is kind of funny about in academics, like I have two semesters of full-time philosophy studies so I can call myself a philosopher like two semesters two terms is the limit to be able to call yourself a sociologist a philosopher or whatever Hmm. and I think people have somehow conflated that with the idea of the writer's union like you're not allowed to call yourself an author until you've published two books which is kind of weird one thing I I, sometimes I I actually am am, uh, this plays against my whole like mm, let's say seething hatred of douchebag entrepreneur culture boy I hate it so much um, but, uh, oh, ooh. but cause, cause boy, but th- those folks don't lack confidence. Um, but <clears throat> I've always, um, sometimes I really like the permissiveness of that kind of, I don't know. I like, for example, at my college, the college that I went to, uh, has a very permissive quality about who's allowed to call their themselves an alumnus or an alumni. Um, and their, their policy. And I, I, I was on the board for a year of, of the alumni board, 
<laughs> the board of the board. Yes, I went to college. Um, but but they, they have a very permissive policy of uh, anybody who has completed a semester at the school is uh, eligible to call themselves an alum of this college and uh, to be a member of the association. And you're considered basically, you know, it's almost like that different, what's that word, matriculating? I don't even know exactly what it means, but I think that means like you're going to school. But I love that concept of like, hey, you finished a term here, buddy. Like that's not nothing. Like you did go to school here and now you get to be part of that community. And there's, I think there's something lovely and warm about that. Um, and, and, but, you know, but, but it is weird how arbitrary some of this stuff ends up being and like how, how much of this stuff, but growing up, growing up in Ohio, like uh, really anywhere in the U S you're, it's, yeah, there's, you're surrounded by so much like culture you can't even realize is there. And there's so much status you're expected to like, you know, um, my kid doesn't call everybody Mr. And Miss Ms. She doesn't always say please. And thank you. I would have gotten strung up if I didn't do that as a little kid. You know what I mean? And like, you're just surrounded by all these, like all the things that you're supposed to respect and be and all the mantles that you're allowed to claim for yourself or required to claim for yourself. And like, there's just, there's just basically American education in so many ways is like, is, is learning how to show up on time, sit still, not kill everybody and learn to respect which parts of the culture. That's a lot of what education is in, 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 in Swedish, we call it sausage stuffing. <laughs> wow. That's, <laughs> oh that's what school is. You're just like trying to get all of the stuff like grind it down yeah. uh, into small pieces and get it into the, oh, the skin good. of the sausage. Okay, I, I will. I will use my. I will use my one token to say, "Would you be good enough if it's not too too blue?" H- how do you say that in Swedish? Korvstoppning. Oh, that's so good. So good. <laughs> it's not a dirty word. It's just like that's that's the word that a lot of people use to criticize Swedish education as well, or certain parts of Swedish education. Is that it's just sausage stuffing? But don't you don't you guys get like free music education and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I took, I took. It's not free, but it's very heavily subsidized. Right. I think in 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 Sweden we have this kind of funny duality where on the one hand uh, we don't call teachers or adults by their last names. You know, we have this more sort of liberal in our sense of the word leftist uh, crazy relationship to um, identity and and childhood and people. But at the same time, we have what's called uh, the Jante Law, uh, which actually came from a um, I think a Danish writer, but we've adopted it and think that it's ours. Is is the idea of like don't get ideas above your station, don't think that you are something is oh, it's usually yes. defined as. So you get this thing of you're not supposed to up yourself too much, uh, but at the same time, I think uh, I in the UK I think they call it tall poppy syndrome. Like if you stand up above the others, you're going to get your head chopped off. Yes, but at the same time, you see that <laughs> that's so English. That is so freaking English. And they do it in Australia, too. But at, at the same time, I think because we have the social structure to let people try things to get to su- successful, we also have this weird like hate love or admiration for people who do succeed and do take on airs because you're like I don't like that you do that because you're not supposed to but wow you're brave to do that mm-hmm. which is I think a little different from the way it is in, in America where you have the American dream which is out of reach for most people uh, because you know capitalism and, and class and structures but people are still expected to succeed and Ugh, and yes. and exceed expectations so it's both it's, it's like the opposite it's impressive but also not impressive because that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. and it's this weird like two sides of the same coin no, nobody i mean it's, I it's only recently that people have talked about 
in a way that I've seen and felt satisfied with. Talking about what a different deck people are playing with nowadays. It's like there's just always been so much hypocrisy in that idea of like, you know, what, are, what you know, avocados and home ownership kind of talk. It's like, geez, you know, well, if you were a veteran of World War II, you got to go to college. <laughs> And then you could live in the Midwest and make $15 an hour building cars, even though you hadn't been to college. And it's like, that's just not around much anymore. Do you do you consider yourself a creative person? I think so. <clears throat> I mean, it's 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 difficult to say. I, I used to I used to feel like, you know, sort of like sort of like what you said earlier about like you're a writer uh if you're writing or you're a writer when you're writing. But uh, I mean, I think I'm micro creative. I literally just made that up unless somebody else already made it up. I think I'm micro creative. And, Do you just and, make really tiny little doodles in the corner of your paper? <laughs> I, <laughs> paint, I paint miniatures with my daughter. But, but no. Single but hairbrushes. Like, that's all you oh just use. Oh my God. Tools. She didn't believe, my wife didn't believe me that you could get a brush with one hair. I said, that's what Salvador Dali used. You go to the Dali Museum, he's, he's got these things that like little white hairs. I think he but, just know. used his brushes so much that it fell apart and now it's just one hair left. <laughs> Oh God! Don't let your kid don't let your kid get the good brushes. The, oh the, no, the, it's a disaster. In painting miniatures, the, there's this uh, this company that makes these pretty good brushes, and like there's and they they get they, they have funny names like they, they have. Detail. Wait, can I just uh, can I just uh, bump? Do you mean miniatures like miniature play figures or the kind yeah. of like tiny portraits on? Okay, no, no, no good good question. Like 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 a like a synecdoche New York kind of miniature. No, um, <laughs> they're like little uh, tabletop game characters. They're like like an inch inch tall and. <clears throat> and we started doing that, but uh, no, I, the only joke I was going to make is that like, oh, she drives me crazy because like there's one called detail. And if you want to go like smaller than detail, you get one called insane and it's a really, <laughs> really fine brush. But if you need to really get in there and paint the eyes of your cleric, you get the psycho brush <laughs> and she gets the paint all over the ferrule or whatever it's called. And the, the brushes get, they're all like you know they're all cattywampus now and the pointing off in different directions I'm like please do not jam the brushes into the water and smash it around you're doing fun wrong you're doing it wrong stop breaking my psycho brush that's why you have to buy two psycho brushes one that is not touched by the child and that's one when you that know is. you've really arrived at a hobby is when you buy a second set of everything for yourself. You used all my Pentel good markers. Those are daddy's good markers. Now I need my own Pentel markers. You may not touch. My initials are on the markers. <laughs> I do find myself feeling a little bit psycho when I'm dictating how to use art supplies to a child. It's Sometimes it's like, no, you have to do it this way. And then I'm like, wait a minute. The worst. <laughs> what, am I, what am I doing? You're this, finger painting wrong. This is terrible. And now maybe now now maybe I'm saying that. And 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 if somebody uh, email John Syracuse if I'm not giving the right credit for the the phrase uh, what was it micro creative, um, but but um and again now let me just let me just pop up and go a little bit meta here and say now I might be doing the thing that we were talking about because I'm not willing to claim the mantle of creative because I'm a failed author because I'm somebody who doesn't even I mean I got an I think my I think. A bunch of my websites are going to just go down soon because they're dangerous and unmaintained. They're basically like 43 folders is basically an attractive nuisance. It has not been updated in forever. I think those sites might go away soon. And I need to perhaps figure out a way to put them somewhere, but I don't actually care that much. But no, in that in that case, so so you you can hear me. You can hear this of like, no, I, I'm not at this point. I will say I'm a podcaster because I podcast, but like, like that, you know, that in seven bucks will get you a cup of coffee. But but um but the micro micro creative part also does get back to that concept. For example, of being a writer. Well, like, 
I mean, I am a writer. I'm just not a writer in the way you want me to be a writer, people, right? So, like, I'm, I write really good lunch notes. Like, <laughs> I, 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 am, I, I like to think. And there, I make really good dad jokes. I take a sticker out of the Marvel sticker book, and uh, I, put, I put it like a Thor on an index card, like a three-by-five card, and I say, enjoy thy lunch. And I make a dad joke, and then I put that in. I'm pretty good at that. That's a form of writing. That's a form of writing. I um, spend a little more time. You should have said, please enjoy your salad. I think, what's the term they use? Canceled. I think you're canceled. (laughs) Thalid. I think, (laughs) would he say that? (laughs) But then, okay, I'll give you an example, though. Um, I mean, I I, I do think I'm somewhat creative. I'm not creative in the sense that, like, I always look for the most creative solution because I'm also racked with anxiety and just want to get out of every situation and go to sleep. But, for example, um, am I a writer? Well, I really... That sounds very much like a writer. I really like writing show notes for podcasts, which I can say from experience, a very, very, very small number of people look at... Some people don't even know they exist, right? So, but, like, a show like... um, uh, the one you mentioned, Reconcilable Differences, that I do with John Syracuse. I spend more time than I should on that because I enjoy it. And I have a little game I play with myself about the format of that. And I try not to repeat words, like the good writing things. I try to do that. And it takes, so like, okay, so here's an example. Like uh, when, a, when a new episode is done and edited, I listen to it all the way through. I pick out all the titles that we could use and present them to King John and let him decide which one he <laughs> will allow, if what he will allow in the show notes. Uh, under what uh, context, but no, I, uh, real talk. Um, I listen to the whole show and I start writing up the notes and it's not a perfect one-to-one of what happened in the show, but I want to write something that's enjoyable to me that might make you want to listen to the episode, not spoil the good, I mean, there's a lot, there's actually weird, I don't think I've ever talked about this this much. There's actually a lot to writing show notes because you want to get somebody interested and not, it's not a marketing thing necessarily, but you want people to go, oh, I wonder what they're talking about there. And like in our case, that shows about our relationships in a lot of ways. And so there, there's always a balance in the, John did this, Merlin said that, Merlin said that, John did this. And then this thing was discussed. And there's certain little, like if you follow the show notes that I write for that, you start to notice a pattern that you might find enjoyable. And in some ways, it's basically almost like a small blog post. So no, It I, sounds a little bit like you're the kind of person who would sneak in a whole like long story in like the first words of every paragraph oh, of the like last ten, 10 years of podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. And then I'll only tell you in a few years. It also sounds a little bit like when, when Tiff called herself a compulsive maker, uh, it, it sounds the same. Like you're compulsively creative in that you're like, I can make this, you know, quick or good and I want to make it good. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm, I've become reluctant to constantly play the uh, ADD card because, like, it's, I don't know. But, but I, I do feel like that is an element. So it, it sounds like you might, you, you're, in the reference you made, I wonder if you have more of the H, card, H part. I have the A part, for sure, which is that, like, um, I have struggled with, um, I have the kind of garden variety ADD where it's not that I have difficulty um, focusing. It's that I have difficulty focusing on the right thing or the thing I'd like to be focusing on. Um, but sometimes I get super focused. And and I do need to make sure that that pony is trotting in the right direction to, to get a good thing made. Otherwise, I will just, you know, polish my desk for four hours or whatever. But like in that in that instance, like there's just some times where like maybe it's a maybe it's for once I'm gonna like I don't get that much opportunity to like write interesting things on Twitter anymore like I used to. But that's a kind of writing. I used to be kind of good at that. I really I thrived 
um, under the character limitations. I mean, um, there's, but anyhow, I guess what I'm trying to say is that for all of those things, those are all things that I enjoy because I like, I like making those things. I like having made those things, whether that's show notes or that's Twitter, or that's a note for my daughter's lunch. In each of those instances, it's for, uh, in some cases, a literally one person audience, if you don't include me. Uh, I need to like it first. Everything I do, I need to like it first. If I don't like it, I'll stop making it. Um, that's probably a, a good hint for the future, I guess. <laughs> but um, but you know what I'm saying? Like in, in all of those cases, though, like the, the audience of people who um, I, I, I want to get this joke. If I want you to get this joke, you, you know, you can, you can Google almost anything I've ever said. But sometimes there will be a thing that I put out there that's like for a very, very small audience. And then, of course, there's just a bunch of dumb guys, like with dumb guy confidence in the tweets, like explaining what the joke is or whatever. But in all those instances, like I, I guess I'm realizing that part of the micro creativity for me is also the micro audience where like the, the, the bigger and bolder you want to be with the people that you reach with your extremely broad material those are the kinds of things that enable you to say that I am an author or I am a this or I am a that. So maybe maybe it's ADD, maybe it's an old guy thing, but like I'm mostly pretty happy with making micro things for micro people. And um, and, and with so the things, I, with the people that matter to the people that matter. Yes. Yes. I think I think so. And it, this is a, a drum I've beaten, I guess, for a pretty long time now is that. I don't know. I guess I always feel like because people 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 struggle. It's it's hard. You, you know, you have a, a a yearning to make something. Maybe you have a yearning to be famous for making something. Well, whatever it is, people want to make stuff, and then they start looking at their follower count, and they start looking at their stats and all that stuff. And um, I don't know. It's just I, I really I really do believe it helps to something. Uh, John, John Gruber and I talked about South by Southwest a long time ago. Like, how are you going to combine topic and voice? Like, what generally speaking, what is your topic? And then what is your angle or voice about it? And, and the thing is, if you care intensely about this topic spoken in this particular voice, um, then you have to ask yourself, like, how broad, how big, how wide can this get? How broad, wide should this get? You know what I mean? Like, because the more you try to talk about everything with a voice that could be anybody, the less likely you are to delight a given person. And, and see, I'm, I'm really with you. I, I like making stuff for a very small amount of people's approval. I mean, mm-hmm. I think about being on Instagram and stuff and it's like, I care about the likes from like 10 people, yes. ma- maybe at most. Right. And those are the mm-hmm. ones I'm looking for. And if I get those likes, I'm like, all right, that was a great post. Like I can, move I get on. to like my, I get to like myself today. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Twitter <laughs> yes. too. I feel the same way. Yeah, I'm like, I, I just need like these 10 people. And now that, oh, now that Tweetbot took away who you can see liked your stuff, it's, it's quite the drag to like go into the, oh, oh, just yeah, to find out who sucks. liked your stuff. Cause that's what I just want. The, I it was don't using want Fast the star. mass. It was using Fast star and then Fast star went away. Right. Right. Exactly. I don't yeah. want the masses. I just, I mean like I like the masses. I'm mean, not going to lie about that. That's always nice to see like a whole big, like whoop, big, lots of hearts. But like, other than that, it's like, I just want these 10 people's approval. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Just, I just want to check those boxes and be like, this is my micro audience. Uh, I actually, let me say that differently because I said it very long Island audience, <laughs> not audience. <laughs> <laughs> many, many yeah. I like the micro audience. I, I, I like that term. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause you get back to the micro thing is yeah. like when you talk about micro famous, which I know we talk a lot about online and on, on a lot of podcasts, you get that thing of like, 
to the and it's it's matter is a is a weird word because it sounds very judgy but it's like you you you're famous slash appreciated by the people who matter in that they get it well i get the most joy out of the approval of people that i know the most you know like i get that extra hit of endorphins if i know that someone who i respect very much comes back and appreciates or likes something i've done so mm-hmm. that that's where i feel more satisfaction from okay i'm gonna, i'm going to do the the horrible exercise that i've now made tons of people do marlon would you do something for me yeah of course would you say i'm creative yeah i'm creative sorry i'm okay oh, hang on <clears throat> I'm creative. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just changed your clothes. <laughs> I did. Oh my god, I'm wearing a tux. How did this happen? What's going on? <laughs> I, I don't even own a tux. You have to be wearing like stereotypical writer garb, like a, a plaid. Uh, I'm just covered with like feathers. dressing gown over feather, your pajamas. I have a feather in my hair. I'm just lousy with feathers right now because I'm so goddamn creative. <laughs> Do you see yourself as a as a maker? I guess. Yeah. I mean, I used to, um, God, when was this? In several different eras, I got kind of obsessed. I remember when I very first uh, had Spanish in eighth grade and I learned the word hacer, H-A-C-E-R. And I was just, um, I loved the fact that there was a word in Spanish and the way that it was defined for us was hacer is a word that we don't have um, in English because it, it can mean to make. Make or do. Yeah. To make or to do. And <laughs> For some reason, that was one of those things where, like, you know, you're you're really open to having your mind blown when you're a certain age. And I was like, wow, that's a really interesting idea that you could be making or doing. And it's it's probably in Spanish for native speakers. It's probably not as interesting as it is for a eighth eighth grade um, kid from Florida. But um, yeah, I suppose so. I, I suppose so. I mean, now today, maker. I think a maker. I think of as like oh, I don't know. You make a wooden bicycle, or you get like a three D printer and stuff like that. <laughs> I went to one maker's fair, um, with a, maybe the first one, and uh, I do remember. Like, I feel like I don't know if I'm remembering this right, but I feel like I remember feeling very overwhelmed. It felt just a little bit like I don't know, MythBusters goes steampunk kind of feel to it. <laughs> and I, I, my wife and I were both really overwhelmed, and. <laughs> And we're sitting somewhere probably having a beer. And there was like people who had... <laughs> people who, I feel like I must be remembering this wrong. I have Googled it and I can't find it. But I have a clear recollection of saying to my wife, are those wooden bicycles? And she goes, yeah, I think they're wooden bicycles. These people made wooden bicycles. Not, and now if you Google it today, you're going to see these fancy high-end Matt Howie kinds of bikes that are literally made, bespoke bikes made of wood. But I'm talking about these bikes that look like stuff people had found like in a lumber pile and tried to make in, into a velocipede. Anyway, uh, that's what I don't, I don't know. But like, uh, I, I do like that. It's a little bit steampunk. But um yeah, well, I, I mean, you know. get it at at maker fairs and like the idea of the maker movement. You get that thing of like, well, I made uh, an aquarium that's also a, a pipe organ when the fish touch yes. certain things well, that, or three and printers. That's... And part of me loves that, but then you also, I also think that a maker is someone who's like, I need to fix this small thing. How can I do that? Or someone who knits, uh, or someone who, yeah, uh, could be you crafty, know, hacks crafty, hacks their yeah. brushes to 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 cut off most of the hairs because they can't get to the store and get a, a real psycho brush. Psycho, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, the um uh, the uh, I, I see. Okay, so just to be clear, I, I I used to write for the recently deceased um, Make magazine. Like um, I, Danny O'Brien and I had a column there, a life hacks column. Back before that term had been ruined. Um, so I mean, I was a, I was a fan of Dale and I and I of, of Tim and all the folks who are behind that, and they did good work. And there's so much of that that I admire. I, in spirit, I very much admire the idea 
of, <clears throat> I don't know, think about that scene in Apollo, what is it, the, in the Apollo movie where they have to dump the box of stuff on the table, right? They're like, okay, here's everything we need to save this ship. I think it was Apollo 13. Here's all the stuff that they've got in, in the capsule. And so we're going to need to fix this problem with the whatever it was, the oxygen thing or whatever. We need to fix this problem. And here's a box of everything that they have. Do you remember this scene? It's, yep. It, 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 I know exactly what scene. you're talking about. Yeah. And so like in that instance, you're like, well, you're not allowed to use. And luckily, Gary Sinise got sick and had to stay behind. So like he knows <laughs> lots of stuff. He's very wise. He's like the wizard of duct tape. And it's like, these are all the things that, that they've got. Now, what are we going to do that they can make with this? Now, that's the spirit of that is. I want to play that game. No kidding. That's a good game. <laughs> without consequences. That, without consequences. Don't <laughs> no kill Tom dying. Hanks. I feel like it's important to remember that you know, a maker is both a MacGyver and a Mrs. Marple. And wow, that sounded like a tweet. Uh, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because for instance, yeah. my actually, I also wrote a couple of things for for make. And I joked that I was going to pitch to them because my, my husband uh, put a sensor on our litter box that would sense because we have one with a lid. And it, it's a sensor that would uh, note when the lid was taken off and put back on and then sort of do a countdown so that you would get a reminder oh in this God. case of course to his smartwatch he can he can sit next to me at the lunch table because that's exactly <laughs> the kind of crap that I do yeah oh so God. it would send him it would send him a boop boop to be like hey empty the litter box whereas I also made a little like a uh, two-parted drapery to put in front of the litter Aww. box under our oh, stairs you're a power team oh <laughs> so it's that thing of like we you're the cat litter wonder twins <laughs> in this case it was a very very gendered separation it's not always that brutal but that thing of like i think both both those things belong maybe not at maker fair but in a magazine like make or under the umbrella term maker to be like it could be you know, i saw a need Cat hacks. Good. Cat hacks magazine. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I have, uh, um, but, but you know what I mean? Like, I you do. have this thing of like, I see a need, which someone else might not necessarily see or understand, uh, but that's like, a great, that's a great way to put it. Yes. yes and yes. I have, I have the materials and the imagination and the tools to solve it. Like, okay, we don't want to look at the litter box. That's one problem. Yeah. And sometimes we don't remember when we last emptied it. That's a, a different problem. And you can solve those. <laughs> things i mean i would i, I would so say many, that i'm I have so many of these it's breaking my brain how many of these i have that i will never tell people about but i totally agree with you in the spirit of that i have and and i think that in a way like in in that for instance in that instance i would almost say that i'm more of a maker than he is because i really like transformed a bunch of different materials and like measured the space and did whatever mm -hmm. he you know owned a he, sensor he, he ordered something and wrote Amazon. yeah no, but, but, but you're you finding order you a bunch finding, of components from eBay. You nailed it with the finding a need part. That it's, it's so interesting how to to if one's going to consider oneself a maker under those terms, it is a very interesting combination of an openness to experimenting or again hacking in the old school uh, computer sense, right? Like mm -hmm. there has to be a certain playfulness and curiosity to wanting to even detect things that could be made better. To me, that's a big heart of what used to be called life hacks is like trying to f discover these problems that you didn't realize are annoying you, and then find this kind of potentially inelegant but kind of cool clever solution I, I love that part of it and i do i even i want to say as a fiddler i'm a fiddler i i love the fiddliness of like just tr like for me it's it, it is in some just as one quick example the the home automation and smart things stuff i'm very interested in that world and how the pieces fit, fit together the, the one that like I mean, I hope on boy, I really don't want to step on toes here. But like, um, for example, like the something like the bullet journal stuff, 
Like, I, I'm, I'm no shade, no shade, but we did that as a challenge on uh, Dubai Friday. And like, I was just, I had so many flashbacks to like why I quit the productivity racket when we were doing that. Cause I was like, why don't you just do your stuff? Either do your stuff or call this an art project. Like, if it's an art project, just do it cause it's fun. But like, rewriting your list every day with the stuff and like, that, I just feel like sometimes what starts out with that, that entirely wholesome curiosity and interest in doing things, like we try to find something functional to do with it instead of just letting it be a fun, what do we call it, micro-creativity project. You know what I mean? Yeah, because sometimes the need can just be like, I'm bored, what do I have at home? Mm-hmm. And then you make like a wall hanging or something. It doesn't have to be like, I see a problem. Yes, it goes for everything. Like that's my, my sister-in-law is a, is a, so here's a great one. What's the difference between a cook and a chef? I'll just leave you to think about that. I don't know. They both make food. The, the difference is almost always money uh, because, yeah. or having at some point been paid for your cooking. Because I think you can come back to your kitchen and be a chef. Uh but you can't like, you, and I think it's the same with like being being an author. Like if you've published a book or two, yeah, you will. You you can you can. You're not and you're not like a retired writer. You're just like I can I can you know rest on these laurels and keep giving speeches in libraries for the rest of whenever. I just want to use her as an example, though, because whether she's a cook or a chef, what she does is remarkable. Which is whatever wherever she goes, she's cooked enough. Uh, for so many years, she's been she's had a catering business, and she 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 genuinely loves cooking. And uh, she does this thing, and like to me, this is where we shade into another interest of mine. Uh, not to go too deep, but expertise and the idea of what it takes to have to have done something over and over so many times in so many different ways. You've solved so many problems so many times that you see things other people can't see. And the best example here is. Um, she does this thing where like whatever food is around, like whatever leftovers are around, even like if you're camping or like, you know what I mean? Like at a cabin, like think about cabin. Like Iron Chef think style? About, kind of, mm, kind of. But like think about like cabin conditions, let's call it. Like you don't have your, like last night um, I made a dish where my daughter's like, uh, <laughs> she comes in, she goes, what's up with that spatula? I said, oh, this is an OXO device that breaks up the ground beef, and then it has a little propeller that flips the beef around. Okay, so if you're in camping conditions, you don't have any of that stuff. My point is she can take whatever is available and make it— Merlin, most people don't have that in their regular kitchen either. Well, that's why she asked, I think. She, she doesn't even realize what a broken home she lives in. But uh, but anyway, she she can. All I wanted to say is that you know that's that's making in a lot of ways is like you know you want people to have good food, so you can take some Chinese food leftovers and some olive oil and this and I don't even know what she does, but like all I know is she starts with a bunch of stuff that looks like scrap lumber to me and ends up making a meal for six people. And I I can't I, I mean I can kind of fake it. I can saute anything. I know how to use three fifty and uh, and broil, but like I, I'm not a chef. But that, but she does. She and she loves that, and she makes it. And to me, that's that's a great example of what you're describing for for both you and your and your partner, uh, in what you did with your kitty litter is like you saw a need and you filled it, and it was fun. And like, what a what a great way to roll in life I, to have that in your pocket. I just think that kind of ability is just miraculous to me. And I think also because because what your your sister in law has, and what a lot of great artists and experts have, is that thing of. You you know enough of the rules to know you know what goes together. What don't you want to break? What do you want to break? Mm-hmm. What can you what can you fake with something else? What can you like you know Tiff and I talk about sometimes of like skin isn't the color that you think it is. Uh, you have to understand that to be <laughs> right. able to either so to true. to either be able to get it right or be able to play with how to get it wrong in a specific way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I don't know. I think, and part of that, you know, you have the you have the confidence to not get broken down if it doesn't work. Because I know you want to talk about, and we've we've kept stepping onto this a little bit, the balance of of confidence and and vulnerability, uh, and not just in a Swedish versus an American context. Mm-hmm. But like when when you are making stuff and and sharing stuff. So what 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 was it that made you want to talk about that? Um. Oh, I, I guess I guess I like I said I was just listening to um, your most recent episode and and I, I was just interested in, in the conversation first of all that you were having about you know like like we've covered you know what do you what do you do what do you call it what do you call what you do I don't know I mean I'm I'm just interested I've, to me I'm very interested in the topic of vulnerability in general just for humanity um, but. Uh, I, I'm just very like you think about how much of the good stuff in life uh, ultimately comes from how vulnerable you're allowed to make yourself, and boy, it is, if you really think about that for one minute, it leads you to so many interesting topics about society, culture, politics. Because um, there's a lot of ways in which we're kind of not allowed to be vulnerable anymore. It's it, vulnerability is weakness, and I mean confidence is sometimes really opening yourself up to vulnerability mm-hmm. because if you say it's I mean it's people can be mean about you in general but if you say I'm good at this thing you're definitely opening up to people saying no you're not that's, exa- so that's if you exactly exactly ne- right if, if you never yeah. if you never say that they can't contradict you they can still say you suck but they're much they're probably less likely to do it if you never bring attention to yourself I yeah I totally agree well vulnerability in at least a couple senses there um I mean the the I guess the second kind of vulnerability that requires the confidence is having the temerity to think, to believe like, here's a thing that's worth making and sharing with the world, right? Publicly. Right. Um, and the other part of vulnerability though, is like, I'm just so interested in, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, God, I have so much privilege. It's just, I just sweat privilege, but like <laughs> some of the, the stuff that, uh, is in that weird Venn diagram of stuff I'm happiest to have made and stuff that seems to have had the most long lived, um, impact with, readers and listeners is the stuff where I, I was more vulnerable than usual um I think and you don't want to do it too much like you can't play that card too much or you start to because I think also that that uh crossover like it's it can be the vulnerability of being personal or private depending on how you see it but you also a lot of the times the, the things that are that you feel successful about and that have some sort of success and that people appreciate it it's also sometimes the vulnerability of I think there's even a cliche of it, like, uh, if you're afraid, then you're doing something right. Like that kind of thing where you're like, I'm not sure about this, either because you're not hmm. sure that hmm. you're right or because you're not sure that you're good at it or you're not sure if you should share it yet. And that's where you find what some like coachy type people call you. That's where you find the magic. You know, like if you're mm-hmm. vulnerable in that, I'm not 100 percent sure on pushing publish on this. Boy, that's that's actually super interesting, and I'm I'm going to think about that because, yeah, I mean, and that that really is the condition for most independent. I don't love that word makers for people who make stuff. Um, that that is that is such an occupational hazard is knowing how much to. I'm going to say how much, right? Like, that can mean a lot of things. Like, how much of myself should I show here? How much of stuff that I am isn't fully settled for me? But I am, I'm kind of turning over my brain the thing about, like, where, what did you say that if you're scared, you might be doing something right? You're I, doing something right. Yeah, that, that's I, I have to think about that. But I wonder, though, also about that cor- the corollary being, like, if you're confident about everything all the time, you know, are you really pushing yourself? Or are you, should mm-hmm. you maybe do a little heat check, as we say in basketball, to make sure you're doing as great as you think um, that you're doing? 
but the, the although I think, and this is also something that we come back to a lot, it's mm-hmm. okay to be comfortable because you, you don't have to, as anything, as a writer, as some form of artist, as a you don't have to be revolutionary. You don't have to be, you don't have to go viral. You don't have to. You you can sit in your comfort zone. That's totally fine. I think. Yeah, because I think it, we often we often feel like a lot of the the, the discourse around both like creativity or productivity or, or writing or sharing stuff. All of the advice is for like, this is how you find your stride to be successful for a certain value of that, of, of money, of visibility, of whatever. And very rarely is it like, this is how you find the time to just like grow and be happy in your art, you know? And, mm-hmm. and like, and I think that's like, I, I, it's, it's again, that weird thing that we keep coming back to uh, where, it's like on the one hand you're allowed to want to be awesome on the other hand you're totally allowed to want to be mediocre and i think both both of those things are really important to press on people because i think tiff both you and i have that thing of like Mm -hmm. it's there's huge vulnerability in posting something because you're like well if i'm not good at it then i suck at it like there's there's just the binary of like if i'm not amazing then i suck or if I if I don't win awards, then it doesn't matter that I'm in the top, uh, like top five percent of awesomeness because I have to be the best, and then there's just no point at all. So you have that vulnerability of either being like, well, I might not be the best, or I don't know where I fall on the scale, or for that matter, we're like, well, I know that I'm at the very beginning of this practice, but I still want to share it because I know that I feel good when I see other people sharing stuff. Like you said, Tiff, I forget what episode when you were talking about that thing of like, uh, you know, this is the eye I drew in 2015 and this is the eye I can draw today. Mm-hmm. It's easier to compare when you have a better thing to compare to than to just post the solo thing sometimes too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, like ah. almost like a before and after. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh, look at the improvement. Cause like that's something that you can see and it's something you can like kind of quantitate a little bit. Is that the right word? Yeah, sure. That sounds good. But like mm-hmm. that's that's more comfortable than just putting something out there and letting the opinions be formed on their own. That's mm-hmm. where the vulnerability comes from. And, and sometimes also that thing of just like, hey, I'm not great at this yet, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. Or I hate it, but I'm going to keep at it. And and sharing that stuff, it's it's not like, oh, that's, you know, you don't have to be a superhero to be like, I tried uh, wood carving. It's in the age we live in. Ugh. God, it has to come up. It always comes up. What, where inst- things have to be Insta-worthy? Oh, I, yeah, that's probably part of it. I was going to say Trump and Twitter. Um, in, in the stage of Trump and Twitter, Twitter and Trump, like it always has to come back to Trump and Twitter. Everything, everything, it is the, it is the sort of, um, what, epicenter, I hate that word. It, it is the, there's a, a centrifugal force in my world that makes everything feel like it comes back to Trump and or Twitter. And, um, boy, I hate that. I really hate that. But every time you guys talk, you're talking about so many interesting things here. I'm not on Instagram right now. Um, but I'm, I am still on Twitter for some reason. And I just think about like how, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is, like how you can't help but be formed by what you think your audience is and how you feel received. And I, I suppose that's absolutely not new. Right. I mean, but like, okay, for example, here's, here's an, here's an interesting, for instance, um, I got a text from my wife yesterday and she's like, um, are you getting, are you getting tons of, um, like weird promotions 
in your Gmail inbox. And I was like, mm, I'm not. Did you change anything in settings? And like, like as she was texting me, I went to Twitter and I did a search on Gmail spam and boom, it, whether it's an earthquake, whether it's a shooting, whether it's Gmail spam, the thing that's better than Google for finding anything right now is Twitter. Like you will see instantly. And yes, it turns out that yesterday, for whatever reason, G, Gmail's, something about Gmail's setup pooped the bed and a bunch of people were getting tons of spam in their inbox. I mean, that's where stuff happens in a lot of ways right now. But like we are formed, as, as much as that feel, makes us feel alive and connected, we're also really formed by what we perceive to be the expectations and the reception of a place like that. So we'll put Trump aside for a minute. Uh, unless you choose to do otherwise, but like to me, that's 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 a big part of this. Is like, wh- wh- what am I going to put where? What do I expect? You know, to, <laughs> that line I like from um, Glengarry Glen Ross. What is this in service of? Like, when I put this thing out into the world, this stuff, this micro creation, if I do put this out into the world, where do I put it? And how do I expect or want it to be received? And I'm fortunate and privileged to have like a pretty good, you know pretty good as in like a pretty reasonable uh, and and insane people are nice to me on Twitter, which most people don't get mostly. Um, But I I do mute and block a lot. But my my point being when I'm putting this out there, I'm putting, am I putting this out there when I put out these, uh, this little uh, cleric I painted the other night, am I putting that out there because I want you to think I'm a cool dad? Am I putting that out there because I want you to compliment the painting skills that I've accrued in two and a half days? Um, am I putting it out there because this is your opportunity to say how much you love everything that I do and I'm so needy, needy, needy. I just want people to like it. Um, or like, should, should I not have put it out there at all because who knows who's going to be a creep about it or who knows who's going to use this as an opportunity to revisit some grievance with me from the past? I suspect you know what I'm talking about. I think you're putting it out there because it's um, something that you made. And I think that when you make something, you're already putting it out into the world. And it's like it you can't help but have it be visual and present. And mm-hmm. the way that we reach other people when we are just one person sitting in an office is we put it on the Internet. Because where else are you going to? I hope put you're it? right. I, I hope you're right. But this gets back to writing, which is that it, it seems like inevitably when I'm, I don't know, getting interviewed increasingly less often these days. Um, but I, I talk to somebody and they're like, you know, when, when are you going to write stuff again? Why don't you write stuff more? This is, uh, you know, of course, discounting the the private micro creation of things like lunch notes. But and I, I always find myself saying, well, you know, I um, I would and I'm interviewing myself here in a weird way but like I would like to write more but like there's so much involved in that process especially involving publishing you know what I mean like I like writing stuff and in the case of something like show notes or a three by five card I have a place to put that but if I decided to call myself a writer again and be a public writer who writes I don't know where I would put that and what I would expect I do know I do know that I feel like I don't know I can guess what's changed I can't I can't say for sure what's changed, but my sense is that the the place that the, the internet that I used to publish on, at least to me, felt uh, less toxic than it does today. Maybe I just wasn't seeing it as much for a variety of reasons. But like, it just feels like the, I guess what I'm getting at is that the risk to benefit ratio of publishing writing today. Like, what am I going to do? Try to write for BuzzFeed? Not BuzzFeed News, but like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to throw shade, but like, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm going to be like a blogger. I'm going to announce 
that uh, iPad uh, iPad OS uh, 13 beta 3 just beta 2 just came out and like we haven't had time to look at the features but we'll get back later remember to like and subscribe hey guys hit that bell well I'm gonna do that like no I mean I don't want to I don't want to produce you know like starlight mints for sad people like I want to produce but, but I think I think that one of the really cool things about the internet is that as it as as it's gotten bigger you know everyone can find their crowd and you can find lots of crowds you have that again you can find your i feel like so there's a drinking game in the word micro here uh, I, I, like you can find your microcosm so but uh, there's so you know, many trade-offs can... to the time that it takes to write well and it that's part one of the best parts of that is like having is choosing to whether and this goes for everything all your, all your listeners out there who want to make anything i think this is true uh, setting aside forcing yourself to set aside time it's if i remember you and me talking a real long time ago where i i mean off the record but like you were like oh, i wonder if i should like have my own space for this and i feel like i remember saying to you like you should have your own space for this like temporally and physically like you should make this a thing because this is a thing you love doing and that's part of the great part is you get get your own area of life, not just space, but like time. But that does mean, and of course it has to come back to this for me, it does mean there's other stuff now you're not going to be able to do or you're not going to be accessible for. And that's why I say it's in terms of risk and benefit. I'm just trying to be somewhat sage about saying to produce the kind of writing that I would like to create at this point, I don't want to write a book, but I don't want to write a blog post. You know what I mean? And and so I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not, this is not a humble brag or a, or a, or a beg for encouragement it is a stark reality that certain kinds of creative output i believe to do it the way that one would like require um require more than just an audience who's willing to look at it for five minutes it also requires you having taken the time to make the sort of thing that (laughs) gets looked at for five minutes i I didn't mean that to sound like don't write but like i don't know i mean uh, well i think we i think i think we talked about this on a pretty early episode is that weird thing of writing being one of the creative outlets that we don't see as counting until it's out there. Like you can, you can paint Mm -hmm. as a hobby to have just like for yourself, you don't have to show it to anyone, but writing like you get, like I joked at the beginning about like having manuscripts on your computer or, or in your desk drawer. And by that, we mean to sort of disparage it because you haven't shared it. It's, it's really weird. Like it's one of those hobbies that uh, for a lot of people, it's like, well, you, you need an outlet, because that you want to share it, but mm-hmm. it, it's kind of discounted if it's not shared. And I, I, I totally agree what you're saying, but there's this weird idea that, um, because you, you get that thing. I was thinking when, when, when you were saying that people ask you what, you know, what, when are you going to write again? What are you working on now? That it is one of those really mean questions, sort of like, what are you going to major in? What are you going to do when you graduate? Like that kind of thing. What do you want to be when you? Where you're just, <laughs> where you're just giving people anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know I do it too with people who are, you know, you ask like, what are you working on now? And you're a lot of the time you're forcing people to people who are either as a hobby or somewhat professionally in creative fields. There's a lot of sort of agreed upon lying of like you, you answer very vaguely about like, oh, I have projects going on, I have this and that. Because sometimes either you're stuck or you're still on the thing that was the answer last time they asked you six months ago or you're in a slump in your creative feelings or whatever it might be. And, and there, there's that thing of like, if you're writing and you're not sure, like, is this going to go to a certain outlet? Am I going to try to make a novel out of it? Or am I still just like chewing on this idea of something that I could write, but it doesn't count until you can say like, Oh, I have a publisher for this or I have like, Oh, Mm -hmm. and preferably you would say like, Oh, this is a going, you know, in the New Yorker and not on medium 
Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not that's not me saying which is better, but there's this idea of like what counts. And again, like it's possible that a lot more people are going to read the medium piece uh, and and possibly be affected by it and care like but the New Yorker, it's like with a book. It's more real. Yes. And that's it's it's so weird and you get that thing of you know, if if you're in a museum show, that's more status and more real than if you have, you know, 50,000 followers on Instagram who see your things, who care about your progress. And it's just that it's it's so weird. Like, I don't think that that's just like, well, it's agreed upon quality over quantity because it's it's not. But we still get stuck in that of like what counts as a maker and who has to see it to give their like stamp of approval on it. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it's, it's just it's economics, not money economics, but like just human economics. Like trying to decide, like, is this a thing worth doing? And like, if you think about all the things that could help you decide whether it's worth doing, there's a there's a million reasons to say no and a, a relatively small number of reasons to say yes. So that can be that can be tough. Yeah, you have the idea of you know economic capital, social capital, cultural capital, uh, but it feels like cultural capital also sort of splits off into a sociocultural capital of like I have social capital not me but like hypothetical me can have tons of of capital in that people recognize me at the grocery store but uh if that's because of a soap opera or my my blog Mm -hmm. it's not the same as if I'm a a respected stage actor even though way fewer people will recognize me at the grocery store and I, I feel like with the creative things it's not just like someone asks and you say you're a writer, mm-hmm. but then they will also always ask, like, so what have you done? Where have you published? And if you write a ton of stuff uh, for, like, if you write a ton of stuff on, on, on Medium and you make money off it, or if you're writing for Roxanne Gay's new uh, oh, like publication her. on Medium, yeah. those two things are totally different. It doesn't matter how mm-hmm. many people read it or how much money you make off it, or if you can say, like, well, you know, I self-published a book. And a bunch of people bought it and it got great reviews. Or, you know, I published this collection of poems on a real publishing house. Eight people bought it, but it got written up in in New York Times. Like that kind of thing. And it's like we come back to also, I feel like some episodes of the podcast is all like previously on Make Do. Where it's like, it's okay to like pop art. You know, it's okay to like uh, or make simple popular things. Same as like, it's okay to... uh, post pictures of your cat on twitter if it makes you happy and other people happy you know like that's well you have cute cats that helps my cat's True. a monster your cats are adorable your cat's a <laughs> big difference i do an oil painting of your ugly cat my, my, that's a different my, kind my, of virality my cat looks like always looks like it just rolled down a hill not in a good way and i feel sometimes like for instance part of me you know, wants fame and appreciation and to be like, I made a difference. But there have also been times like, okay, when I used to talk about tech and gadgets on morning TV and, you know, someone would write to me or call me and be like, you're so good at explaining things so that we can understand it. Like older people who are like, I get it now. You know, like basically like under- I understand why the iPad matters. This was like not 15 years ago, but 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or when someone emails me and is like, I'm so glad you told me about this because like I did a segment on using technology or stupid gadgets as uh, aids for people with with disabilities or different uh, needs. And a bunch of people uh, emailed and were like, A, thank you for talking about it. B, awesome, I wouldn't have known. And that can also be, and the same, like if, if I, you know, write some silly tweets and someone's like, wow, that was, that was funny. Or 
a, you know, basically even like, thank you for linking this thing. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, exposure doesn't pay my bills, but it can make me happy mm-hmm. sometimes. And I hope nobody who wants to hire me for anything is listening right now. That's not true. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some sometimes, sometimes you have to kind of ignore like... I think also like we're we're all horrible at taking compliments. Most of us. I love compliments. I'm so into compliments. I love compliments. Oh, everyone loves compliments. It's just hard to figure out how to accept them. <laughs> well, but as long as someone does it right, you have to compliment me in the right way about the right thing. That mm. sounds horrible. No, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> nice it's nice. Butt, it's man. nice to be complimented. Some compliments <laughs> mean a lot more. And what you're saying about exposure is is really true. It's. I don't know. There's this part of me in, in the back of my head where, like, I, when I visit with uh, someone like uh, you, nice folks, I, there's a funny calculus I'm trying to do in my head that is impossible to resolve, at least by somebody who has not had calculus like me. Um, like, where part of it is, like, I think it's interesting to talk about. Yeah, it might be interesting to someone to talk about, like, uh, if you're interested in my BS, like, I can talk about that a little bit. And I think that's a good thing. I have. In the same way as the people who bought houses in the 50s, you're not going to get the same deal I got because you weren't there (laughs) with the right genitals and skin color in 2004 to do the things that I did. Just like I wasn't able to be a veteran in World War II and I probably wouldn't have gone anyway. (laughs) Right. It's so like it's fun to talk about that and to go like, oh, you know, the the classic entrepreneur podcast where some bag gets on there and talks about his, you know, Lambos and stuff like. But then the other part of it is I'm always in the back of my head. I'm trying to think about like. What if, um, what if somebody listening to this show is having their worst day today? What if somebody who's listening today is having um, where they're just about to quit? You know, where they're just like, oh, man, I don't know. And, like, I try to think about, like, what would you say to that person um, that's honest? And what would you say to that person that's true? And what would you say to that person that's encouraging but still honest and true? And I think that's, I think that's desperately complicated. Um, whatever size of audience one is talking about, I think it's – it's difficult to give somebody what they need because you don't know what they need. But like, I don't know. I always, I always feel like I want to, I want to always try to provide some strange combination of the things that have helped me that I didn't know I needed at the time, which sometimes is absolutely encouragement and and a chuck on the arm to say like you can do this thing, like you got this right. But then there's this other part of me that's like just the part that I cannot undo, the albatross that I will always wear around my neck. It's like, be careful what you think you want. Be careful what you ask for. And like, do you like the lane that you're in? Do you really want to be famous? Because you might turn into baby Wawa and that's not very fun. Like, (laughs) just like do your thing and like let the thing turn into the thing. But like also the discouragement sometimes comes because you, maybe you have become a tall poppy or you aspire to be a tall poppy. And I don't know, I, I, I just, it's it's always so difficult because I would hope that someone listens to a program like this because they are making things and they want to make things. And it's like, I don't know, I just always struggle with like, what's the right thing to say um, that, that, that can be applied in a lot of situations? I sometimes like being the answer key at the back of the book, uh, where it's like, well, the thing to say is basically like, you're okay, I'm okay. You know, like, it's okay to call yourself a maker. It's okay to... No, it's not okay to not. Everyone should call themselves makers. No, uh, and, and like it's okay to want fame and it's totally okay not to want fame. And it's, it's kind of like what you're saying, not just like, do you like the lane you're in? Also, like, do you know what lane you're in? Do you care about that lane? Do you maybe just want to go over to the kiddie pool and it's nicer and like that kind of thing? Or like maybe you just want to float around on a floaty. 
actually now that I think about it, I don't know if the lane metaphor is about swimming pools or like track and field, but you get the gist. I'm trying to find a great quote from Lin Manuel Miranda that I'm getting that from. And I, I, will, I, will, I will try to find that. I don't know. I'm dithering. I'm dithering because I just, I don't know. I, I, I would like to, uh, to the extent possible, say something that, that's, that's useful and helpful and honest. And sometimes that's, that's just, it's so dang hard. Because it's like, if, you've, if you've somehow managed to make a thing that you don't hate in life, um, how do you, you can't really give that recipe to people. It's, it's so difficult. You know what I mean? It's like trying to trace you know, footsteps in the snow that's no longer there. You know what I mean? It's always, I find that so challenging. I think that from our perspective, like one of our taglines is we're not going to teach you how to make money or like grow in any way. And I think maybe the important thing is to to know that and to say like, this is not, you're like, you're not trying to sell your workshop about like everyone can do what I did. And you're not saying everybody needs X thousand amount of followers on Instagram or their email list to to either make money or be successful or feel successful. You're just like, this is what I feel. I think the other thing that's magical is is being like sometimes personal and really small in the details. So if 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 you could have like what would you want to be able to do in the artsy makey realm of things? In the sense of like what what do I wish I were capable of or like in what like sense? A, a skill, a skill or uh, a a material that you would want to be able to work in. Oh God, that's a no-brainer for me. Um, and it's it's very embarrassing to say this because um, well, there's two things. I, I've always wanted lots of things. I'm from Florida. I didn't have anything good. Um, <laughs> but but um, I mean, I, I uh, honestly, I, um, I let me let me respond to my own remark after I say this because what I'm going to say right now is very stupid. And and I know there's going to be advice about this or an admonition, but I always wish that I could play piano, and I've always wished that I could draw. And I could have done either of them if I had tried. And I just that I am so hopelessly left-brained uh, in so many ways. It's extremely difficult for me to draw. I guess I have drawing on the right side of the brain. I'm trying to get my daughter to read it. I've I I but like that's the thing. No, if, if I had to pick one for your program, I wish I wish I could draw and doodle the way other people draw and doodle. Uh, you know, Adam Kofer, like Ape Lad on Twitter, um, like he, just what he doodles in meetings is like the greatest thing that I could ever hope to make in comics. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wish I had that ability to just take the thing that I see in life or in my head and draw it. That's the answer. The answer is, and I know I could if I tried, but I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try. I, I'm too old. I'm with you there too. I want that. <laughs> I feel like I'm just like contrary and I'm not going to say you should try. I'm just going to say, okay, what's what's something that, that you're like, secretly or not secretly afraid that you'd be bad at and therefore don't try <laughs> uh let's see okay i'm gonna take that and turn it uh the the things where yeah i mean there are things where i can come up with a rational reason why i don't try it right even though it ultimately does maybe come down to fear or you know what i mean reluctance to like you know look look bad at something i don't know probably dancing does dancing count? I could. I mean, I've danced. I could dance. I think dance. that's. I think that's like a creative thing in the sense of you're like, you know. Getting, I, I appreciate your feelings, that, but, and... but I. I don't think I. I don't think I'd be. I'd be good at it. Now, maybe if I knew I'd be good at it, per your per your uh, other question, maybe I'd dance more. I don't have any opportunities to dance. Um, I basically am... dance opportunities. Dan that's. I'm going to use that. I'm going to capture that. I can highly recommend kitchen dancing. Oh. All food tastes better if you dance, and it's it's it sounds like it's that. 
think for like practical magic midnight margaritas thing uh-huh. but like just like doing really weird ugly dancing while you're cooking that's a good makes idea food, that's taste a better. Food, food tastes better pill that's a good idea mm-hmm. what's your favorite thing that you've ever made oh geez not my daughter jeez um i don't know you can say you can say your top four if you want we Which would. is actually five or six. <laughs> well, you wish it was just five. I could tell you all the ones that I did include in my top four. Would that be useful? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's. Um, what do I? You know, I mean, as 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 a body of work, uh, there's some podcasts that I've done in the past. Podcasts like, you know, what's the word? Like the English would say a series. Like the actual this collection of episodes over time. So for, honestly, something like you look nice today. It was really. A podcast I did with a couple friends uh, a long time ago, and that's that's got to be up there, and not least because I was surprised at how well it turned out. And I mean, obviously, huge credit to my friend Adam, who the different Adam who did the editing on that. But like, probably maybe you look nice today would be up there. Forty three folders was fun for a while, but got stupid. Uh, other things, I've got a few songs that I like. I don't know. I don't know. It's it, it's it would be easier if I were an author and I could say, you know, my uh, my book about Hyrule or whatever. But no, my, you know what? I'll, I'll say I'll say you look nice today. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Fantastic. You. you want people to to be happy and feel good. Uh, if you were just going to say like one thing for people to take with them as we round off the show, like a, like a like a bit of, a bit of advice. The moral of the story. Yeah. The friends we made along the way. Yeah. Um, hmm. I do want I do want people to be happy. Oh, you know, um, try getting more sleep. Yes, I think I think um, and, and um, I mean, there's other things. So, oh, you know, follow your bliss. Uh, you know, make a shirt. But like, no, I would say try and get more sleep. You you probably need better. I'm gonna say I'm, I'm actually pivoting in my sleep thing that I'm evangelizing, which is to get better sleep, which is in some ways more difficult. Depressed people can sleep for 12 hours. Like, that's that's a thing. It doesn't make you feel great. But I would say, um, um, boy, just a really dumb one there. You know, would, do you want something inspirational? Would inspirational be better? How about inspirational? Mm-hmm. Let's go inspirational instead. Let's try inspirational. Uh, I don't really have my back in this because I'm not prepared. But um, to, 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 let's, let's revisit an issue from earlier. A uh, piece of advice for feeling better and stuff. Um, be picky. Be more picky is my advice to you. Be more picky about lots of things. Um, be more picky, um, about who's allowed to make you feel bad. Uh, be more picky about who's allowed to have your time and attention. Um, be more picky about who's allowed to screw up your deal. Um, be more picky about who's allowed to change your day, especially for the worse. That would be my advice. Be more picky. I like that. And I would add, be more picky about what things you listen to from the voice inside your own head. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm Mm-hmm. This is what I do. Our show notes are over at relay.fm slash make do. And we are make do pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find us individually at Tiffany Arment and at Julia Scott, S-K-O-T-T. And we'll be back in a fortnight. And until then, go make and do. And you can find us individually at Tiff Arment. Nope, that's wrong. I actually am. No, I do what? have that account. It was made for me, so I would possibly get a, a, a blue check mark, but it didn't pan out that way, so I have the sign-in for it. But don't go there. Go to TiffanyArment.com. Nope, nope. I mean, that is a website, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no!
you're going to have to go get Tiffany at TiffanyArmand.com. Oh, no. Have we totally scrambled everyone's brain? Find all these things. What about Tarman? Could you get Tarman? Just write it into the Google and it will help you find me. Tarman sounds like a wildling name. Tarman Craftsbane. <laughs> I really want the homework to be like, okay, House Arment, what is its credo? <laughs>